Hi, this is Angela. Welcome to Shakti Stories. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining Shakti Stories. I am so excited today because I have Tammy Lynn Kent, who's the founder of Holistic Pelvic Care for Women and author of Wild Feminine, Finding Power, Spirit, and Joy in the Female Body, Mothering from Your Center, and Wild Creative. She's an international teacher and TEDx speaker. Her books have been published in Mandarin, French, and Dutch. She is also a mother to three beautiful sons. Tammy is passionate about empowering women in health and teaching them how to cultivate their creative energy in all stages of life through her practitioner training programs and personal sessions. So thank you so much for joining us, Tammy. Oh, thank you, Angela. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, I was so excited when you said yes, because I've been taking your holistic pelvic care online and I'm a therapist, so, you know, won't be doing the physical side of the practices, but to actually integrate everything that you're sharing has just been already inspiring my work so much. I'm so glad. Yeah. A lot of women will even just study the work for themselves because our fields are so powerful, but we really don't know the power or even how to access it. Yes, 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 exactly. It was so cool to hear early on that you mentioned Marion Woodman, because when I heard The Wild Feminine, I was coming from that place and really so interested because of having my own teacher who is more in that lineage with Marion Woodman and Jungian psychology. So I was just so curious to see what, what your teachings were about. And that, I think that's just so cool that there's this crossover. Yeah, absolutely. It's like bringing it into the body. Yes. Right. Okay. So I've been loving that. And uh, I wanted to start with that question of what is the feminine to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at first I didn't know, you know, that's why I started um, delving. And I think it's good sometimes when you are curious and you don't know the answer to actually go towards that. You know, we don't always teach that. It's like, you need to know everything. But for me, it was, I was working in the body in the pelvic bowl and feeling this powerful energy. I was also feeling a lot of other things like grief and people were suffering from different symptoms, but it was the, the power and the, the warmth and the beauty that struck me. And I wasn't sure what it was. And it came to know it more as the feminine eventually. But I would say now after lots of exploration to me, the feminine is really a capacity to download energy. So it's an ability to receive and really receive from the mystery, sort of the, the stars, the, the realm of the pure potential where everything comes and it comes, you know, we can think of it in terms of a baby, right? People get pregnant and they download a being. I mean, how miraculous is that? And yet we can do that in lots of different ways, whether we know it or not. It's really, you know, downloading the raw energy, the ideas, the creativity and bringing that into form. And so, of course, that can be male or female, um, the capacity for that. But we have to be able to be open to it's why Marian Woodman said that the feminine is really the bridge between God and humankind. It's the Mm -hmm. access point. So to me, it's the access point to be able to download that potential. Wow. I love that. That is so profound. Yeah. It's been interesting in the last, you know, few years when I first started reading Marion Woodman's work, I just actually, this was like 10 years ago. And I just felt like this feels so far away from everything that we're, you know, like that we're getting, like it felt so far away from, from the place of where we were at. And then I've just felt in the last few years that it's like, suddenly like teachers like you and other people come into my awareness and I'm like, Oh, this feels like it's, it's accessible. And it's, 
yeah, it's probably what you were saying there, the difference between the analytic, like analytical part versus like, okay, there's also this embodied way with it that is, that is approachable for anyone. Well, and I think, um, I don't know if your listeners know, but just that Marion Woodman was a Jungian analyst and she died um, maybe a year or two ago, but she lived to her 90s and she's just considered an expert on the feminine. She really studied it and, and thought about it. And she was, like most pioneers, far ahead of her time. And I sought her out because I was working with the body and tapping into this mystery and starting to explore feminine. And so the only, I tried to look for sources of information to help me understand. And there really weren't any other than I saw her work as she was talking about the feminine, you know, the feminine versus feminism, you know, feminist feminism. It's like, what, what is this? There's these different terms. What do they mean? What are they? And trying to understand them. And I actually flew across the country and went to a conference where she was teaching to hear her speak. Mm, yeah. And she was speaking at this conference after 9-11. There was a group of, of women that wanted to, they said women should be more the ones to lead and women in power. And so they created a conference that they held for a few years through the Omega Institute at, mm. um, in New York, right at the epicenter. And yeah. so I think this was 2004, so a couple of years after 9-11. And I had been moved by the events of 9-11 to start writing Wild Feminine. So I felt very connected to that. And then connected to what Marion Woodman was saying. So I flew to, to listen to, the, to her speak. Yeah. And you know, one of the things she said was that the feminine is very rare. It's very hard to find. It's very rare to actually yeah. see the true feminine. And that really helped me too, because I felt that as well, but I was confused. You know, is feminine lipstick? Is it, what, what is it? High heels? You know, what is it? It's like, well, it can be, but not necessarily. It's really an energetic feeling and awareness. And, and it is beauty and texture and color potentially, but yeah. it, you know, it's, it's from an inside place rather than an exi- external place. So she was one of the first people to kind of put it into language, yes. but I still wasn't really feeling any embodied versions of it. And she herself yeah. has a book that she wrote called Dying Into Life, Bone, Dying Into Life, that she was diagnosed with uterine cancer and survived that and everything. But she was shocked by that diagnosis because here she was this feminine expert and then she got you know cancer in this feminine organ. And it's this beautiful exploration. It's like a journal of her time going through treatment where she explores the difference between the idea of feminine and spirit and the idea of feminine and body. And she never had children or anything that slowed her down. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes in Western culture, people don't really get in true touch with the feminine the pace of the feminine, the body, unless they have a baby or they're, they're sick. Mm. And so it's sort of a forced slowdown. And so she talks about how for her, she maybe was ignoring her body and the pace of her body. And she was flying around to all these conferences and, but she wasn't actually really embodied and how this invited her on a deeper level of embodiment. And, and that was true for me in searching out the feminine is really, there were no embodied descriptions, which is why I wrote Wild Feminine and went on this long journey with this and with women's bodies to help us just to be another piece in the puzzle of recovery. You know, Mm. how do we recover it? What does it look like? Well, to recover something, you have to know what it looks like first. (laughs) Yeah. I love what's missing. Yeah. I love that. I love what you're saying there because that, that was the same for me that I had this um, mentor at at my, when I did my master's degree and she had known Marion Woodman and, and so that's what got me interested in, in the feminine originally because I felt it through this woman. And I was just like, oh, and the funny thing is people either really tried to get into her class. So I tried to get into every single class because I was like, okay, she's fascinating. And others would like try to get as far away. They were like, I can't go into her. 
like anyway, she said that herself too. And so I was like, yeah, yeah I've noticed that people either run away or they're, they're just really, really intrigued. Yeah. yeah. Because she really does move slow and she really does move in a way that is so intuitive mm-hmm. that it's like, mm-hmm. like, you know, uncomfortable silence is not, not, um, something she avoids. It's like, it's right. like, there's lots of space in, right. yeah, in, in those moments. And you just feel that you, you must sit with yourself, you know, you must right. become more and more aware of, um, of what, what's happening within you. So I love that you brought this up because I know you've said in a couple of different, um, I've seen you say a couple of different places too, that like your body really likes being at home and how this mm-hmm. shift in what's going on in the world right now has been bringing women home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's, that. I think, you know, because I teach about the feminine to practitioners and I talk to women in the office about coming into contact with the feminine and I had to have my own journey with it. I really didn't come into contact with the feminine until I had a baby in my own case. And it forced me to slow down and it was really awkward. I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself at home. I was used to being out in the world, you know, academic uh, career. And so I just, the home felt cold and I, I had a lot of accumulated feelings that I hadn't really known were there. And yeah. I was forced going at a baby pace to, to be with them. And it's one of the reasons I talk about it because I think it's a confusing time for a lot of women. If they suddenly get a slowdown that they feel like, well, this doesn't feel great. What's happening here. And it's, it's the accumulation in the feminine field from not having routine times where we slow down and we process and then externally we move. And that can be individual and collective. We just, we don't do it culturally. We don't have ritual times. You know, we have a little bit of holidays, but like, that's not the same. There's all this mass, you know, buying and and what, not, I'm not judging that. It's just, it's not the same as like a ritual movement and an honoring and a pausing and working through and then and and moving. So many of us have accumulated stuff there in the feminine field. And so when I talk about it and teach about it, again, I say, if you have a child, you encounter this. If you get sick or you tend someone who's sick because the pace suddenly slows, you encounter this. So what is this time of being in COVID and being in lockdown and not being able to gather and not being able to work in the same ways is it's like a forced feminine realm reckoning for everybody. The usual things that we do, the busyness, the external, all the is gone. So we are forced to kind of be with ourselves, sit with ourselves, and it's, you know, it's also causing a lot of heartache because of the financial challenges. So I don't want to diminish the, the absolute lack of care, um, like in the U.S. for people who really need the financial support so that that's all happening too. There's a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and so it's examining the structures on a collective level, but on an individual level, it is time to kind of sit with yourself and just get clear, or it's an opportunity, I guess I would say, or an invitation to kind of just work on, you know, it's kind of like when you can't go somewhere, you might, you could either just sit and veg out, or you could work on maybe cleaning out the closet and kind of really clearing some of that deeper stuff that you weren't getting to. And I mean that truly, but also metaphorically. So as we sit with ourselves in this time, it's a real opportunity because once you clear that out and you spend time kind of honoring and working through it, then there's spaciousness. Hmm. There's space for something new. And what I learned long ago through mothering, so my son's 20 now, was once I kind of cleaned out the hard feelings that were sitting there, there was so much beauty and creativity, which is where I ended up writing from and, hmm. and just this nourishing um, space. So that's, 
the hope is we can get more into that realm where the, where it is truly feels like a connection to the mystery. I mean, sometimes it's the block to the mystery that is keeping us from really accessing it. Mm-hmm. So if you clear some, whether it's old feelings or old experiences that haven't been digested or even parts of yourself that you haven't really looked at, taking time or literally clutter, you know, yeah. but taking time to kind of go through those things and move it. Then you can really start to, when we start moving again, we can move with more intention and more clarity about what's important and, um, and focus on, you know, going in the, in, in the ways that, and making things and making patterns that are beneficial that weave in the feminine, that weave in rhythmical movement, that weave in time for, for, for downloading. Yes. Wow. I love that. I love that too, because um, I lived in Vancouver, which is a bigger city than where I am now for about 14 years. And it's kind of like, there's something about the energy of the city. It's, it's more of a frenetic energy than Victoria, mm-hmm. where I am now. And so I noticed that like, it was sort of like, I matched that. Like I was always sort of going out to even just pick something up. Like, like right. that, that wasn't even urgent, but it was like, I'm always going to like be popping to the store or just constantly in like on the phone with a friend or you know if I'm not in person with people I'm always kind of like communicating with people and or ideas like listening to podcasts and stuff and it's been a huge shift one year ago to move to Victoria um, because uh, like I just love how you spoke about in the class I think it was in about how like we can be depleting ourselves because we're not really resting and that was just so profound for me because it it just resonated so much with where I'm at and where I'm beginning to, you know, like the kind of like, I guess, like rest into myself more and yeah. And how that's been reshaping again. Yeah. My idea of what, what the feminine may be, it may be, I think people right now, I notice on Instagram and things like that, they're starting to reclaim maybe the sensual wild side. And so it's like the sensual photos and like the, like being in nature. And, and I love that. That's like, that's so great. And I notice there's something else more simple that I gain when I'm listening to your work um, or reading your books. It's like more, even though it's simple, it's like quite profound. It's like this like stillness or this easefulness mm-hmm. that is also uh, part of the picture. Yeah. Okay. Another thing I wanted to ask you is like, how has the feminine been meaningful in your life? So how is your, your understanding since starting this journey of really um, working to understand the feminine. Yeah. How, how things shifted. For yeah. You? I mean, it's been life changing. I think um, before I always felt like something was outside of me that I needed to go and get, whether it was knowledge or, um, you know, again, this is a little bit more the patriarchy where all the knowledge base is outside of you and you have to go out there to get it. Um, yes. And it became so guidance in my life, making a living, everything was sort of out here. And with the feminine, it became more in my own center where I actually had access points to my own knowledge, to my own guidance, to my own creativity and downloads, which then I could weave into form. And it started to help me. I mean, it helped the way I was as a practitioner because I started to see that potential in everyone. So instead of it being all of us are chasing something out here, it became more about helping people access what was already theirs and understanding the role that each person plays where it's like we kind of each have a piece of the puzzle so again instead of a scarcity model where we have to compete and go after and like there's only so much it's more understanding and waking up to the true divinity that you are so for me that's downloading and receiving guidance in the terms of my life my daily life my life as a mother 
my life as a healer and the pieces I'm working on on a deeper level in my ancestral line, you know, so it really is the work of Wild Feminine that I talk about. Well, it's actually all three books. Um, mm -hmm. Wild Feminine is sort of the body access and understanding that. So it's my own self-care. It's moving rhythmically. It's understanding that I have guidance in my own center and I can trust that. And it's um, keeping the emotional places clear. So doing whatever that means for you. But for me, it means like ritual and prayer and moving through things, feeling deeply, but then moving them and really working with intention setting and all those things we hear about. Then the mothering book for me is really the energy of, it, there's a lot in that book, um, postpartum healing, working with birth trauma. But for me now as a mother, it's using the access point in my field to kind of work my, with my sons as they become young men and young adults and lots of different ways, um, reading the energy of kind of how I sit in their lives and because it's unique to each child. And then Wild Creative is a book I wrote about how to live from that feminine place. So I do a lot of those practices in there that I talk about where I have an annual practice where I set intentions and creative seeds that have to do with my whole life. And I work through those monthly and I describe that practice in Wild Creative, but it's a seasonal practice that I have that guides my work, guides my life, it guides my rhythm each year that has to do with my family and my practice and my teaching and and my fun and everything. So, you know, I really live from those places, but I had to create them and did a lot of work creating them and setting up frameworks. And now I just kind of live from that place, I guess I would say. Mm, so it's yeah. a lot of, you know, I, I'm connected to a deeper field of spirit, but that moves through me. And that's where I look for my knowledge, for my guidance. Yeah. I love that. I think that's what you bring that is just so fresh for me. It's this really fresh territory um, because yeah, being in the therapy world for the last 10 years, it's like lots of like reading a lot, even now, like it's really popular to talk about the nervous system. So the body in that way. And so you hear a lot of, yeah, people are often, you know, talking about the nervous system or posting about it. And it's, um, it's, again, it's great. It's great that people are so much more curious now about our inner going ons, but the style of therapy I do is called focusing. And what you, what you actually speak of sounds so, it's just so aligned with focusing because it's more about the, the energy in your being and, you know, beyond your, your body. And so it's like embodied, but also um, sounds like there's the, the, there's this openness to like more subtle realms. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. And more access to it, I guess I would say, because the more you have a dialogue and a practice, the more you can access it. Yeah. So it becomes a habit. Yes. Mm. So given everything that's going on these days, like there's such polarities online, there's such like extremes in the way that people, they're often coming from these reactive places. So they're, I just get like overwhelmed sometimes if I spend too much time on on like current issues. So I, I don't a lot of the time, but um, I try to get the gist of things, but then I'm like, okay, I need to come back to my center. And so I'm just curious, like what you would say about these practices that you're offering and that you're bringing into the world, um, why are they needed right now at this time? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is so a masculine orientation, which this isn't male or female, is external. And we, we have our feminine and our masculine, right? So our feminine, we download. But if all we did was sit and download, we wouldn't really do anything. So our masculine is making a work structure, making a daily structure, you know, putting in rhythms and practices that help us move through our lives and our days and also partnerships and, and work and all those kinds of things and family structures and medical structures and all those things. So we create out here. Well, 
we've had a system or some you know if you look at sort of different people who talk about bigger pictures we're end, ending a 5000 year cycle of a masculine orientation time into a more feminine time and people talk about you know maybe we started that in 2012 maybe we are starting that now but at any rate i would validate that we're in a big shift time from a masculine orientation to a feminine and so a masculine orientation means everything's external so all the control all the systems you know there's the education system the uh, medical system comes from this sort of external place right external authority and so on so if we're changing to a more internal place the only way to get your bearing is to have a stable internal space. And if you're used to orienting yourself by external structures, like my job gives me my value and also my identity or my role in this world economically or in my family structure, or whatever is what gives me meaning for who I am. You're going to feel confused because those are all changing. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, a lot of them haven't been serving for a long time. So we do need them to kind of break down and shift and whatnot. We're in that phase of sort of like, we don't even know yet. We, yeah. we haven't even reached the full breakdown to let alone the rebuild. So if you're tracking out there, you're going to feel the chaos and you're going to feel the instability and it feels pretty unsettling. So it is wise to kind of come back to center, but you have to have a center to come back to. <laughs> so it's yeah. like really developing the practices that help you center, whether it's meditation or yoga or walking or, you know, whatever it is, dance creating, cooking, gardening, you know, but just these body centered places and coming back to your own center, clearing out the old habits, the emotional patterns that get you down, the pain, whatever that might make you avoid your body and coming back to a more, making this a peaceful place. This is where your stability lies. And so a lot of what I do are body centered practices. I have, you know, many energy meditations, visualizations, and practices that help us come back to the center of the body and understanding our connection to life and rhythms from the center. And this will really help getting stronger in that way and, and developing practices so that you can orient here. And when you connect from your body to the earth, the earth is stable, you know, it's just all these structures that are shifting. And so when you come to this internal place and you find a resting place, you find a place of peace, you also find guidance. Like this is where to attune to get guidance. And I, I kind of think of it like we're maybe coming into a time where we run on feminine fuel. And so the cars, all the structures have to transform to that. You know, it's like we have to really orient to a more feminine way of being. And so what better way than to come and get really in touch here and then move from this place. Mm, wow. So yeah. yeah, so much wisdom there. Like, <laughs> you, you, Yeah, you just said so much. It's, it's so profound to really kind of I think at this time too because there's so much toward I mean we're usually on our computers all the time and on our phones and and it can be like if you're in that mode it can feel almost like I don't know I think space can like spaciousness to people can feel like well I don't want to like that would be not accomplishing anything or whatever it is like that we have sometimes this like resistance but if we're if we're listening to the body and I heard that in your class as well, that you, this is where it was just so much like focusing what I, what I think of as focusing, because you're really asking her body, like, I think you were giving an example of working with a woman and asking her like, what's needed there? Like, what is, what does she need? And so mm -hmm. instead of coming from, yeah, our thinking mind where, yeah, we could be always like spiraling, trying to like achieve more and trying to be constantly in some 
like treating ourselves like computers. <laughs> it's like, it's so different to really ask our body and listen, like di- deeply listen to, to what our body's telling us. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I just think that's so cool that the, the part that really like, like just bounced off the page to me, cause I work so much with, you know, people who are having hard times and challenges was when you were speaking about shame and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, replacing that shame with honoring and, mm-hmm. and being honoring of, of ourselves. And mm-hmm. that just like that part, I think it's like, it, it's integrating in, in counseling sessions just because mm-hmm. that's, I'm working a lot with shame. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of thought it'd be interesting to like, ask you a little bit more about that in terms of, um, yeah, like, do you, do you get the sense that there is this kind of uh, genuine shifting and, and that we're kind of like reorienting to a new way? I'm just curious, like, we really are moving through that shame. Like, where are we at? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's a process. So and I think there are many layers. And so you'll think you're done. And then maybe there's another layer. A lot of these are unconscious, especially around the female body, the feminine, feminine powers. When you want to destabilize someone or take away power, shame is often a tactic and actually trauma, traumatizing mm-hmm. you, it fractures the connection. And so there's a lot of layers there of reclaiming and reclamation and permission. And it's, you know, it's, it's sort of like a garden where there's a lot of ivy or something, you know, you probably have to, you go through it once with a big, you know, and then you keep going and then you find little threads and you keep pulling it out. And it's just, it's a work in progress. And, and there's new layers of shame that come up too. So it's not just, you know, in the past, it's because people are, like you were saying, you know, people in that, in the class with that teacher, some people are running and that's usually people who are getting triggered with their own wounding or maybe aren't quite ready to look at it. And so there's a lot of that still where, you know, it's just, it's time and patience and lots of layers and always an antidote to shame is honoring and honoring comes on many levels. So one of the ways, you know, I work with it in the body is first just showing up for your body, connecting, working on taking care of your body. Then it goes deeper into like an energetic, maybe prayer or ritual where you re-sacralize it. I mean, even when I went to bring Wild Feminine out, there was um, a wonderful agent that picked it up in New York who was super excited. And he's a top level agent with a lot of of authors that are pretty high profile. And he was super excited about it when he sent it out in 2003. He sent it to all these female editors that were at the top of their game and they all had really negative reactions to it. And he was shocked as a male. Um, They were just the, the, it felt so weird to them that the vagina might be sacred. It was just so weird. And that really hit because I had just given birth to my second son right as I was getting the news. And so I felt the openness and the absolute sacredness of the female body as our entry point. And then the absolute rejection of that by women Mm -hmm. uh, in powerful places. And so that's the divide. It wasn't about me or my work. It was about the layers of shame that are carried that are so subconscious and deep. Mm -hmm. And even I tried on my own for a little while to publish it after that rejection happened. And I was... I I kept wanting to go towards spiritual presses because it felt like a spiritual book to me, but I got told flat out, we don't deal with that part of the body, you know, and it's like, are you like, this is our entry point. This is, if it's not sacred, then it's really hard to feel that our bodies are actually sacred. If we have the fracture at that level and they kept pushing me towards what they called feminist presses. And when I would contact the feminist presses, which didn't feel as correct to me, 
um, when I would connect with the feminist presses, they would say, we like the massage and we like the you know, anatomy, but the woo-woo stuff we could do without. And that shows you the fracture, the level of the fracture between spirit and body is so deep in all the structures. Wow. So I had to go a different route and actually yeah. really go to the land and prayer and, and go many more years and work on wild feminine with spirit and on my own with the spirit energy and then self-publish it. And then it got picked up and we're in a time where that's evolving. And I think it would be more people would receive it more today, but um, it's just those fracture patterns are so deep. Yeah. So you run into shame layers. So that was a shame layer. And if I had, you know, so I ran into their shame layers. And if I had taken that personally, I might've just gone, oh, well, I'm wrong. But right. I knew that it was a deeper pattern. And I kept going because there were a few people that were already reading the book that felt the value of it. And so I was like, if it helps even one woman reclaim the sacredness of her body, I'll keep going. Mm. And so it's, you're going to run into this uh, personally. And I working in this, this realm, I've had to get kind of shame tolerant where I just don't pay attention because shame usually yeah. makes you go the opposite direction. Yeah. And that's why in my Ted talk too, I talk about shame is actually a marker to go towards because it's usually a place that needs repair. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I started looking at shame as a place to walk towards it yeah. so that I could receive so I knew there was healing to do there, right? So you're going to run into those layers personally. And then if you start moving in the world, you're going to run into them in people and they aren't, you know, it's not a negative on you. It's usually someone's own pain that they can either deal with or not deal with. But the more we move through that, the better. And it's why even in my TED talk, I talked about, because um, that TED talk is shame, you know, moving from shame to honor in the female body. It's like the most key thing, I think, is going from place that shame to honoring and understanding that it's sacred, resacralizing it. But it's in simple things. Like even I was open about menstruation with my sons and I didn't really shield yeah. them from the fact that I was bleeding. And when they were little, you know, they come in and out of the bathroom anyway. And then, and so I just talked about it kind of as my bleeding time. And there was a point where each one of them kind of went, Ooh, you know, and I, and so I said to them, no, you know, this is, this is a layer and it kept it light, you know, not like just pounding them over the head with these things, but this is a bleeding time. This is a sacred layer in the uterus that our bodies are fed by until we can develop the placenta. And so they just went, Oh, okay. And then they went on, but it's like this little bit of honoring. So I'm, first of all, I'm not squeamish around it. So I'm changing the coding for them that this is honoring. Then I'm explaining a little bit to honoring a little bit further. And in the Ted talk, I share this experience of my son had a friend sleeping over and where the toilet, we had an old toilet and it, things stopped working. And so I heard this scream come from the room and it was my middle son's friend. You're probably like 10 saw my blood in the middle of the night. I had gone to the bathroom and couldn't flush. And he screamed. It was like, someone was murdered. You know, it was just like mm -hmm. horrified. Oh, wow. He clearly had no idea that people bled. So clearly wow. he had not been given any knowledge. And then my son came in and ran up and was like, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, that's just my mom's bleeding time. Mm -hmm. And that simple exchange told me so much, you know, about, when we shut males out or we're squeamish, we're passing on that coding. And the other layer I said to my sons is be gentle with the women in your lives when they're bleeding because it's not easy to bleed. So there's another layer. Mm -hmm. So there's just these little layers of honoring and they're so simple, but they have such deep ramifications that later led to talks about consent and honoring the female mm -hmm. body. And, you know, it's just, there's so much in those little seeds. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. I actually used to teach um, like teens at a high school around consent and boundaries and things like that. And the it was actually my partner at the time was the male who would go into the, the male classrooms and he would share with them 
this very concept. He was a half indigenous man. And so he would share a lot about how, Hey, this is actually like, yeah, this is women are more powerful at this time. You know, they, they have such strong intuition that is unveiled even more so at this time. And I was just like, wow, that, that was just so cool to, to imagine how different that was from, from my experience. I get chills when you say (laughs) that. Yeah. Yeah. And having a male say that that's really powerful. You know, that's the kind of reclamation of knowledge where it's not seen as gross or a problem, but it's actually understood the power and the life giving, you know, it's, it's in a way it's almost a sacrifice too. It's a lot to bleed every month. And there's so much in that, that just simple language can shift how it's held. And then, you know, when women themselves know too, so they're not apologizing or I can't tell you how many women have come in and, and, you know, they're like, oh, I'm bleeding. I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh no, it's a, it's a time of you're shedding, you're clearing. And just, I'm kind of like neutral to honoring in my tone. And many women have commented on like, wow, you're like the first person who hasn't acted like it's a mess, you know? And Mm -hmm. there's just these layers that we're so unconsciously exposed to. Yeah. that we don't even realize how dishonoring they are. So it's about, you know, reclaiming that for oneself and shifting it from a shame to an honor. Yeah. And it can be different things in different families or cultures, but it, it you know, it's a group reclamation project. So. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I definitely can can relate. Yeah, I, I think that it's, it is such a, part of being and and another thing I think when you were mentioning the uh, feminism it was just making me think of how there's there's the feminism where you know where we're kind of like pushed into the masculine way with feminism Mm -hmm. and and that's so different than this sacred feminism where it's like it's like actually it's it's honoring and I think it's getting skipped over right now too. Um, like, I don't know, there's just so much going on. I can't tell what's happening. So I'm just staying like anchored to the, the teachers and, and, and yeah, the leaders who, who really inspire me. But, um, but it seems like there's kind of, it's hard to, because it's still kind of, it's a soft fire that's burning. It's like a lot of people are keen, like a lot of women are keen to, to learn these ways of seeing things and practices but I think it's like, yeah, it's hard to kind of um, keep building the fire around it because the other stuff is louder. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I don't know why this just reminded me of um, the wild feminist shirts, you know, which became oh, okay. a big yeah. thing. And they came out of Portland and someone said, Tammy, did you start those? And I have no <laughs> idea if someone read my book and then did that, but um, maybe. Um, but it was interesting that they took wild feminine and turned it to wild feminist. Cause it's like, again, you know, is that a rejection of the feminine? I kind of yeah. think so. And, yeah. and that was made by women and probably strong women or identify as strong. And it's just like, feminine is actually a stronger word than feminist. You know, yeah. feminist is a push off of the yeah. feminine to join the male realm. And that we have enough of that actually. Yeah. What we need is everyone to come and embrace feminine and feminine yeah. being a positive word. And feminine can have a lot of negative connotations for people yeah. and um, as weak or less yeah. than. And, you know, it's, I talk about this a little bit in the identity part of wild feminine where it's like, it, you're just really looking at the language, what triggers you, what, what have you dissociated from? How do you reclaim it? And the feminine for me wasn't necessarily a positive word. It was just kind of there, you know, it didn't have a lot of energy around it. And so really understanding the power of the feminine and it can still get lost, especially when there's sort of this identity around joining the masculine realm as women yeah. uh, instead of really holding both sides. And I, I don't know if this is for sure true, but I did read some of the roots of 
fem the feminist movement in Europe that women wanted the right to be um, cared for as mothers and given stipends and other things like that, not just to work. And so that those countries have a better plan in place of supporting mothers and, you know, kind of giving them financial stipends when, when a family has a baby and time off work and things like that. And in, a, in the U S one of the things that was, it was just to be able to work and be have equal rights or, you know, so to join this already broken system, which, right. you know, isn't serving men, wasn't serving men either. Um, yeah. You know, this sort of idea of all the pressure of being the breadwinner and, and, you know, being outside the home and, and just this pressure that they felt. So suddenly women just wanted that and they got it a lot um, in a lot of ways. So you can look at this a little bit culturally too, and just see what was the feminist movement and what got lost in that, you know, what mm. happened in yeah. that. Yeah. And I think it's important to examine the places where that maybe isn't really living up to the fullness of what, you know, that's looking at the energetics underneath it. And it's kind yeah. of like, I've talked about this too, where I'll talk to mothers about how to really honor, like they'll say, how do, how do I honor my daughter's menstruation? And it's not just with like a ritual, like some daughters are open to that, some aren't, it's, but it's how you engage with it when she's bleeding. And I always think instruction in, in self-knowledge is really helpful. So for females to understand that when they're bleeding, they are powerful and they're sensitive, they're downloading information and they're clearing information. And so it might be a good time to rest and cocoon. And that's why they feel so sensitive. So not apologizing for feeling premenstrual, whatever happens. And also like sometimes in the feminist view, if say a young woman was playing soccer, it would be, you take an Advil and you know, if you're achy and whatever, you just get back out on the soccer field or use a tampon or whatever. And that should be up to her. I think, yeah. you know, it's fine if someone wants to do that, but when they feel pushed, that's again, that feminist yet denying the feminine where the body actually might feel like resting or cocooning. Like here in Oregon, it's very soccer season. It's rainy. It's yeah. dark. It's not a great time actually when you're bleeding to be out in the cold, wet weather. It's yeah. better to cocoon. And so some of those practices, which I think get looked down on from a feminist point of view are actually make sense with the body rhythm. And so at least if we could educate and figure out what we want personally and let our daughters have permission to choose yeah. what they want. That's empowerment. Yeah. Not just being a strong female and forging out no matter what on that field. It's like, that is a masculine pattern that yeah. isn't really, it's an unbalanced masculine pattern and that's yeah. not really helpful for anyone. I love that. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's all so true and good. It's like so important to, to kind of like, yeah, slow it down and question what we're what our motives are and why always like, why do we believe what we believe and, and, and contextualizing that within history and where we're at right now, because I think for some people, there's this, this state of mind right now where it's like, okay, we already did that feminine thing. And, and it's like, whoa, like, let's slow this down actually, because like, it's not the, the feminine thing, as you've been saying, the feminist thing so much as of course we, we deserve equality in the workplace and equal pay and all that stuff. Um, but it's actually so much more than that because it feels to me like it's that all genders can can benefit from what's what's still to be integrated here mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. oh, yeah sure. nurturing yes. and, and rest and and also you keep saying downloading and I was just going to ask like what could you say a little bit more by what you mean by that well that's that access point to all the creativity and everything that connection to the divine it's the feminine side it's the left side right brain for most people and it is it's that dreamy energy that we get into when, mm. where we literally can download. And so it's good to have 
access to that. That's the feminine and it, it's all, you know, females and males can both have this. Our bodies as females naturally have capacity for this, but I think males can too. And so it's, it's knowing that potential and, and cultivating that potential and cultivating ways that help you download. You know, it's where all creativity comes from. It's where mm. when people say they aren't creative, it always kind of breaks my heart because that's conditioning around yeah. artists, you know, where it's like you're, you either can draw or can't draw or make music or can't make music. Everyone is inherently creative and should be and mm -hmm. has access to downloading that field and can use it in different ways. And so it's about permission and access. And I, you know, it's how I live my life or learn to live my life once I cleared some of the patterning that I'd been given where I thought everything was external. So it's about having places, you know, first knowing that you, you have access, everyone has access, you get to have access and you might need to cultivate, you might have to clear them things out of the way and then cultivate access in certain ways, you know, like yeah. for some people, it's whatever makes you feel kind of dreamy and timeless. So from, for mm. some people, it's running, for some people, yeah. it's gardening, for some people, it's meditating mm. or cooking. It's whatever it is for you, but just accessing that more in your life so that you can download. And it's like a wave of energy that comes in and it may be pure chi, it may be inspiration, it may be just joy for the moment, or it may guide you in some way. I don't know if you know Jalaja Bonheim, but she's another teacher of mine and she talks about something so similar. Uh, it's just really cool that you were saying that, that it can be gardening, it can be exercise, it could be anything that gets you in that state. But um, she shared something similar when I interviewed her and asked her about the priestess and what she means by that. And so it's just so cool to, yeah, I, I'm just beginning to see more and more these patterns of, of what we're talking about. And there's different words and there's different kind of like archetypes sometimes that, that, that we see there, but that actually this does, definitely i i know that we're speaking about this greater wisdom that we normally probably would have in more ancient cultures would have like passed down but that we've just gotten disconnected from and and it's just so hopeful to me and like so inspiring to know that we can we can tap into that it's not so it's maybe the the line was broken of that information being shared but it wasn't like it's not so far away it's not uh, <laughs> it's in the body <laughs> Oh, so good. Well, yeah, I've just, I could talk to you all day. I just love everything that you've shared. Um, but I, maybe I'll just sort of like, um, shift to asking if there's any last thing that feels like it is being downloaded or that you feel is important to share right now. Yeah. I would just say to really take seriously the gift of your life. And if you didn't know this before, maybe this year has helped um, understand it. Don't think of this year just as a, um, you know, frustration or limitation or, or, or chaos. It really is an opportunity to look within, to really get clear and to understand what your piece is in this global transformation. We are in a powerful the most powerful transformation of our time and wow. everyone has a role and a piece in it every single person so really acknowledging that trusting that and starting to get clear in your center and allow yourself to have some access points so you can really take seriously your piece in repairing this collective tapestry that we are mm -hmm. all reweaving in this new time so beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you joined us and that you're here sharing your wisdom in the world. Yeah. Thank you, Angela. Solstice blessings to you and <laughs> yeah. blessings to everyone. You too. Thank you, Tammy. Bye. Thank you for joining us at Shakti Stories, where we are empowering feminine bliss.